Hey, we are going to jump into a series, not really a series, but just a couple of um, this Sunday and next Sunday um, to kind of get us ready for the 20th. The 20th, I will do the State of the Church Address, and I don't want you to miss Sunday the 20th. I don't want you to miss any Sundays, but especially the 20th, uh, the State of the Church Address. I've got a lot of information to give you about last year and next in this year and down the road and things like that, so make sure you're here for that. But today... On the back of your bulletin, you see, draw near to God. And I want to talk a little bit about that. You see, there's so many things out there today that want to guarantee stuff for you. You know, you swallow this pill and you're going to lose this much weight, or you buy this video and this is going to make you look like this, and you really won't have to do anything. Just watch the video, okay? And you can buy this lottery ticket and win this amount of money, and, and just all kind of just quick fix promises that the world throws at us. And we, not saying you do that, or I do that, but we as a country jump all over it. I mean, all you've got to do to sell a product is put new or improved on it, and it'll go off the rack. I mean, just fly off the rack. And you'll go home and convince yourself that your clothes are whiter, smell better, and they're awesome. They might have been just the same the week before, the old stuff, okay? Stuff in America just doesn't get old anymore because there's always new stuff right behind it. And I don't know if the old stuff's not that bad, you know, but it's new and improved. And so I want you to turn your Bible to James. I want you to see a great, wonderful promise that I'm absolutely guaranteed will be fulfilled because of the one who said it. Look at James 4, 8. Or 4, 7, and 8. Let's go there first. 4, 7, and 8. I do want to start with 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen to verse 8. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, some Bibles, some translations will say draw near to God doesn't matter to me, okay? But here's the guarantee. You come near God. Come near to God. And he says, he will come near to you. I'm telling you, folks, that is better than any pill that'll make you 20 pounds lighter. That's better than any video, and that's better than any lottery. Because in the presence of the Lord, you are rich, rich, and skinny. Okay, I'm just telling you. Some are like, I'm going home and I'm about to get skinny. That's fine. Go home and get skinny. Okay, but I'm just telling you, in the presence of the king, you are as rich as you will ever be. And it's like God is just sitting there going, if you, my child, who I made and who I died for, and I love you so much, if you'll draw near to me, I guarantee you my presence. I guarantee it. You will be in my presence. Presence. The Magi walked almost two years to get there. You and I sometimes can't even find time in our schedule in an air-conditioned, heated house in a car that talks to us to find time for the king. It's almost like we're like, You know, I know that guarantee is out there. I know if I draw near to him, he'll draw near to me, but I'm just so 
I'm just busy right now, God, and I'm, I'm just telling you, I love you, and I'll be at church Sunday, and I know I missed last week's tithe, but I'm going to make it up this week, and we're good, and if I need you, I'm going to holler at you, but right now, I'm just busy, and I'm rolling, and, and I just can't stop right now. And I wonder, it says there's no tears in heaven, but I wonder if one drops for us. Because the king of kings desires intimacy with us. And we just can't stop. We just can't stop. We can't stop and draw near to him. When he says there's a 110% guarantee that when you do that, I'm going to draw near to you, child. And what do we need more than anything in this world? His presence. Just being in his presence. That's what we need. That's it. We're never as healthy as we're ever. That's as healthy as we'll ever be is in his presence. If we're never as rich as we'll ever be as we will be in his presence. We're never as fulfilled, satisfied, just, just, just full of joy. We will, we're never, ever that way except in his presence. That's why as many times on Sundays, we walk out of here and I'm telling you, we've got power. Why? Because we came to this cool church named First Baptist Bushland? No, it's a cool church, but that, that didn't do it. It's his presence that did it. And can you imagine doing that every single day? You say, well, <laughs> Paxson's not going to come over and do that. No, he's not going to come over and do that, okay? But you can do that as, the, as, as a king's kid. I want you to look at a couple things. Drawing near to God requires you to take two actions. Number one, I want you to look at you must cleanse or wash your hands. I want you to go to Isaiah before we unpack that. Go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1. Look at verses. Uh, I've got 15 listed, but I want to look at 16 also. I could cover 10 through 20, but man. Uh, that whole passage, Isaiah 1, 20, 10 through 20 is, is incredible. But we're going to go to 15 and 16. 15 and 16. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean, and take your evil deeds out of my sight. And you're like, gosh, Jeff, man, came to church to be encouraged. Here's the deal. What God is saying here, this is a pretty good spanking by God in Isaiah chapter 1, okay? won't unpack that text right there. But what he is saying is, I don't want your rituals, I want your heart. I don't want, I don't want all your stuff. I don't want that list of you know what to do to look like you're this. I don't want any of that. I want you. I want you. And he says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And understand, when you draw near to him, you're in the presence of the king. And in his presence, he does not like sin. And so immediately, when you're in the presence, as Isaiah said, oh, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. Don't let that scare you from his presence. Can I say that first? 
Don't let the fact that where you are keep you from his presence. I'm telling you, folks, if you'll go in his presence and you draw near to him, yes, he is going to convict you of your lifestyle, okay? You're going to feel a conviction of of, of shortcomings of where you're not meeting that bar, where you're not being what God wants you to be. Don't let that scare you off, okay? Because if you will come into his presence, he says, wash your hands and purify your hearts. He says, wash your hands. Basically, Matthew's gospel says, if your eye causes you to sin, you pluck it out. Now, I'm not asking you to cut your hands off when you walk into the presence of the king, okay? But what it's going to feel like is when you come in, if your hands have caused you to sin, he's going to convict those hands. And if your feet are treading in a way and going to locations and places and people and crowds that it shouldn't be going, then he's going to convict your feet that it's got to change direction. Now, don't let that scare you off because I'm going to tell you something, folks. I would rather walk into the presence of the king and be convicted of with that than him not care at all and let me go on my way. Because I'd much rather, much rather be, be called on the carpet of that in the presence of the king. I'd rather have men in my life, guys in my life, that if I'm not living a certain way, say, hey, preacher, and I'll do respect, you ain't right. You ain't right. Now, I, I guarantee the me in me, the pride in me is going to bow up. You will too. In the presence of the king, you'll do it. There's nothing wrong. I'm not as bad. It's not as bad as someone. I'm not, I don't do it that often. I'm not doing, it's not that bad. The first thing that'll do is a self-righteous pride will get you. But folks, you got to surrender to his presence. And if conviction is there, you got to stop. Because in 13, if you're going to walk with the Lord and draw near to him, there may be some times you got to wash your hands. You got to wash your hands. Okay. You've got to cleanse your hands of seeing things, doing things, participating in things, acting certain ways, hanging with that group, whatever the case may be. You've got to stop doing it because you know that you do the same thing over and over, expecting different results is a true definition of insanity, okay? And so if you think that you can, and, and, and excuse my French, live like hell and expect heaven, you're crazy, okay? Because there's a lot of the people that do. They think, God, I'm all, I'm, I love the church, and I love the fact that you died on the cross for me, and thank you for saving me and making me new, and, and I'm looking forward to heaven. But right now, whoo, I got to live it up. I got to live it up. And then as soon as something happens, they won't come running back to God. Folks, do not continue to walk in habitual sin and expect to be blessed. Okay? You got to wash your hands and redirect your feet and redirect your hands. And if you know, you absolutely know you're not living in a certain way that you should live, you've got to cut that out. And I don't want, and see, the sad thing is, when you say that at the very beginning, that makes drawing near to God not so attractive. Because what we want to do is, we want to have all of God's riches, uh, open up the suitcase and lay it on me, but we want to live however we want to live. And that's, those two things just don't go together. They just don't go together, okay? So first, we've got to cleanse our hands and wash our hands. I want you to look at the second thing of action, the second action required. You are to purify your heart. I want you to go to Psalms. Go to Psalm 51, 
Psalm 51. And this is the account of David um, after he <laughs> gazes on his beauty from his balcony, Bathsheba. Basically, what's wrong with David here is, and, and I'll just say this just to men, but it's true for ladies as well. The key, okay, as David showed us, you got to be where you're supposed to be. David's supposed to be a war, okay? But he wasn't at war. If he'd have been where he was supposed to be, this wouldn't have happened. But he wasn't where he was supposed to be. So if you're supposed to be where you're supposed to be, be there. Teenagers, if you're listening to me, if you're going there, go there. But don't tell your parents you're going there, and then your buddy's parents say you're going there, and the two of you never go to those two locations. You go where you want to go. Because I'm going to tell you, trouble is going to catch you. Because you've got to be where you say you're going to be. And David wasn't where he's supposed to be, and he fell into serious temptation, and he messed up. Okay? I want you to look at Psalm 51.10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Look at what he says at the very beginning. You've got to create in me a pure heart. When you walk into the presence of the Lord, he may convict you to wash your hands and feet. But he's also going to purify your heart. He said, well, what if there's nothing wrong with my heart? I promise you, every time I go into the presence of the Lord or I get in the presence of the Lord, I always, at the beginning of going in there, think I'm good. But when I get in the presence of the Lord and he purifies my heart, he checks three major areas. And I want you to look at those. Number one is attitude. He said, well, sometimes your attitude is just not in your heart. It's it shows. Eventually, attitude shows, but it begins in the heart. And I'm going to tell you, folks, God knows your heart. And what God knows is this. He knows your attitude before other people get to see the attitude. That makes sense? See, the attitude begins here, and it begins to show itself out there. But before everybody else gets to see the attitude, it had to start somewhere. And it always starts in the heart. And so what God does every day when you're in the presence of the Lord is he renews your heart so that that attitude is never out there. Never out there. You know when my attitude is most likely to show? When there's been a vacation from the presence of the Lord. You, you go days and weeks, months, years for that case without the presence of the Lord, I promise you, I'll make a 100% guarantee that Jeff's going to come out. Promise you, you're going to like, man, I sure like that Jesus in Jeff, not that real Jeff. You're, good, you're right, because that's who I like. I like the Jesus in Jeff. I'm not real fond of the Jeff. I'm glad he died when Jesus died. And I'm glad he was resurrected because I wasn't real fond of him. And when I see him every once in a while, I don't like him. I don't like him. And what do I do? I go into the presence of the Lord, and I get on an altar, and I say, crucify him. Just crucify him. He's no good. And I walk out, and Melissa's going, thank the Lord. Right? No, I'm serious. She's probably saying that, but she doesn't say that loud. But I'm telling you, when you crucify yourself, I'm telling you, I am a sinful man by birth. Because I have a sin nature in me because I came from two humans that had sin in their life. So I have a sin seed in me. You say, well, what about getting saved? I got saved. But I'm going to tell you, that seed's still in there. And when I do not surrender daily, that old self sure wants to resurrect. 
But I got to squash him every day. Every day. Because old Jeff's going to come out. And I'm going to tell you, I don't like him and you won't like him. And I'm going to tell you, every attitude, every attitude you see, if you see attitude in your kids, you're like, ooh, that attitude right there, mm-mm, that, that, mm, that's got to go. Trust me. That didn't start that second. That didn't just, poof, there it went. No, that's been building. That's been building. Because that's that junk they put, you put in or the lack there of the good you put in. You watch it, listen to it, hang around it, it starts to grow in you. You don't put the word in in the presence of the king, what happens? That stuff just says, well, this is a great garden. I like this soil. I'm about to grow some weeds here. It, weeds don't stop, do they? You build a fence, drag a cage. You can talk to it, squirt it with weed, pour it. It's coming anyway. I'm telling you, it's coming, all right? And, and so it begins to show itself. Attitude begins in the heart. It does. Because God's like, woo, your heart's showing. That's not my heart. That's an attitude. Oh, no, that's a heart. Because attitude begins in the heart. And so if you want to not have an attitude, stay in the presence of the Lord and let him purify your heart. Because he will squash the attitude before it shows itself. Every single time. Every single time. Second thing is this. Thoughts. He will purify your thoughts, okay? Now, I, I like to say it's stinking thinking, and it is stinking thinking. It's when a believer, it's when a child of the king whose identity is in him walks and talks like they're not in him. I'm no good. I'm stupid. I'm a loser. Who's going to date me? I can't do anything. Who would employ me? I mean, that's stinking thinking. I can't do that. I tried to do that quiet time thing, and I do it good for about a week or two, and then I fall off. Okay, so here's the deal. Since you do that, just quit. That's what I do. I just quit. Just quit. Really? Yeah. I mean, Jesus fell on the Via Dolorosa with the cross. I'm sure he quit, didn't he? No, I think he got back up, didn't he? I don't know. I think he got back up because I think he finished it. Because why? Uh, Me? So why you want to quit on him? Why you want to quit? Every good thing, my friend, in life takes perseverance and trying again. I mean, if you're married, do you just do it right every day? I don't. I mess up all the time, but I don't quit on it because I'm committed and I keep going. All right? The same thing with your thoughts. You can't keep thinking, stinking thinking. You can't keep the enemy replaying your past. He'll keep you from your future. You've got to remind the enemy of his future, okay? And it is separation from God eternally, okay? You're of a God. Your God is the God of the future, okay? The enemy wants to hold you in your past. He wants to keep you in your old self. He wants to tell you what you can't do, not what you can do. And your thoughts have got to be purified daily, Okay? And the only way to do that is in the presence of the Lord. So he can purify your thoughts so you can have the thoughts that he thinks about you. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And all the days of your life have been ordained. That you are a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance into Christ. You are a new creation in him. The old is gone, the new has come. That's who you are. That's who you are. And you've got to get in his presence so the king can speak over you who you are 
So you can walk out into a world that's never going to tell you who you are in Christ. And walk with your head up in the strength of the Lord to go in the battle. You got to purify your thoughts. Let me tell you, you go days and weeks and months without purifying your thoughts, you'll start thinking stinking, defeated, negative, pessimistic, poor little old me thoughts. And you will be ineffective for the kingdom of God. Unaffected. Nobody bumps into people that think they're losers and wants to give their life to Christ. Hey, man, how are you? I'm a loser. Really? Yeah. I'm a born-again loser. Well, I just pumped up for Jesus, aren't you? Yeah. You know, I mean, who's going to say, God, I wish I could have what you had. <laughs> I want to be a loser. <laughs> Nobody does, okay? But that powerful believer that knows who they are in Christ is attractive to people. And God will give you turf, and you'll be able to share your story. It's not a short story of perfection. It's a story of what? Second, third, fourth chance covered in grace, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's what it is. And those thoughts are going to move you. So you've got to purify your thoughts every day. Last thing is this. You've got to purify your motives. Your motives. Nobody knows the motive of the prayer like the Father. Nobody does. I want you to flip real quick to that last passage in Matthew. Matthew 6.24. We know this one very well, and we're pretty much convinced that it's talking about money. But I'm going to tell you that it's not totally connected to money. Matthew 6, 24 says this, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You say, well, I'm off the hook, Jeff, because I have no money. (laughs) But here's what I want you to understand. Look at the phrase that he says. You will either love the one and be devoted to that one or despise it. You will either love the other and he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Here's what happens to many of us. We absolutely love ourselves. We just love ourselves. We're absolutely in love. And everything that drives us and our motive behind the prayer, a motive for coming to church, a motive for a quiet time, a motive for everything is about us. Make my life easier, you know, red carpet, roses, always spring, no bad weather, no hurricanes, no tornadoes, no droughts. It's just beautiful. I got a job. I keep it forever. They overpay me. I underwork. It's just a gorgeous life, all right? And it's all about that. That's what we're all about. And so we, we're all about ourselves. And when we pray, have you ever listened to yourself pray? Your list for your needs is longer than your praise for the king. God, I need this. I want this. Fix this. Do this. Can you help me with this? And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying it's wrong. But folks, we got to praise him, and we got to understand that, that he is king, he is God, he knows best, and we serve him. And it, we don't serve him to get stuff. We don't tithe to get stuff. We don't worship to get stuff. We don't have quiet time to get stuff. We worship, tithe, have quiet times, all of that. For what? So that we might be more like 
to be in his presence. So that when we walk into a room, the aroma is not Jeff, it's Jesus. That's what it is. What am I giving off? Is it just me? Is my motive all about me? Because my friends, I'm telling you, if your motive is all about me, he's not going to be quick to our rescue. He's not going to be quick to just shout. I mean, I remember all my days of student ministry and kids going, man, I'm praying for a new car. Man, God, give me a new car. Woo, new car. That's why I need a new car. And I always say, what do you need a new car for? Oh, man, I just need a new car. Boy, my dad give me this, this truck, his car. I said, I'll tell you what, if, if you'll get that truck and you'll pile all your buddies that aren't going to church and your lost buddies in there and get them here every Wednesday and Sunday, you know what? I bet God might make that happen. But if all you're going to do is get it, and that truck's going to keep you further from church and his presence, then guess what? You might not get it. I mean, and I'm not trying to be mean to him, but I'm going to tell you, if we can't be entrusted with it, why should we get it? If, if we get it, if we got everything we prayed for, would we be here this morning? Would we be in his presence at all? Would we even need him at all? Jesus warned us that you can't serve both God and money. You can't serve both God and self. There can't be God and me. You can't, not a two-headed God here, okay? There's God and there's me. And my motives and my thoughts and my attitude have to go through his presence. They have to be filtered through that. In 2013, here's my hope and prayer for us as a church, that we will draw near to him every single day that we will draw near to him every day, that we will come into his presence every single day. And then we will say, God, not about me. I want you to look at me from the inside out. I want you to purify my heart, my thoughts, my attitudes. I want to wash my hands and my feet before you. And I want to walk out of your presence every single day thinking of nothing but you and walking into your presence as I walk out of it. I just want to be in your presence. I don't want to come in there and tell you who I am and what I need and what I'm about and all this other stuff. Don't make his presence about you because it's not about you. It's about him. Some Bibles say come near to God. Some Bibles say draw near to God. Okay, doesn't matter. But what's important is there's a lot of guarantees out there, but none of them are 100%. But there's one that is. And Jesus says, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And I couldn't even begin to tell you what that would look like for you. Couldn't even tell you. Because I can't even tell you what it looks like for myself when I do it. But I can tell you this. It's the richest time and the best time and the greatest time you'll ever have. And if you haven't done it, please do it, okay? Make 13 a year where you simply every single day discipline yourself to draw near to God and allow him to draw near to you. And when you die to self, and it's not about you, okay, it's all about serving him. And he'll do more than you could ever think or imagine, I promise you. Okay, would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we enter a time of invitation, as we do each Sunday, the invitation's not about us. It's not about us at all. Father, it's an invitation from you to respond to what you have said and done. And Father, as we read in James, that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. 
this is simply almost like an invitation. Father, it's a time for us to, to respond to what you have said to us. Father, the message this morning was very ABC simple. Nothing we haven't heard before. but something we need to be reminded of daily. And Father, if we will draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And so, Father, this, this morning as we begin a new year, Father, don't let us begin a new year removed from your presence. Don't let us put our life on autopilot and say we've got it and we just go. And then when we have an emergency, come running back to you and call on you. God, don't let us live like that. Let us every single day wake up in your presence, walk in your presence, and be in your presence. So, Father, this morning, maybe we just need to kind of bow right where we are and say, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to serve me. I just want to serve you. I don't want to be consumed about what I don't and do have and need and all that other stuff. I just want to surrender to you. Maybe this morning you want to begin a new year with a new life. That you realize today that you are empty, hollow, and have no relationship with the Father. And this morning you may want to come this morning and give your life to Christ and be born again. Maybe you're a couple this morning, a family that's been coming for a while, looking for a church home, and God's led you here. Maybe this morning you want to come and join First Baptist. Or maybe just the freedom to come to the altar and kind of bow down and surrender to him and say, this year, Father, I'm going to draw near to you. I'm going to walk in your presence daily. I'm not going to be consumed with me, but with you. Father, whatever you want to do during this invitation time, I pray you have freedom to do that. I pray that we, Father, say yes to you. For on the other side of obedience is always blessing, Father. So when we bless ourselves this morning, during this invitation time, in Jesus' name.